my perspective, if nothing else, has grown more this last year uh, to the fact yeah. of, you know, it, it took 44 years and it took an eight-year-old kid for me to realize what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh my gosh. And, and, and I think that if nothing else happens this season, Neyland Pickle has changed not only Tennessee Wesley's life, but he's also changed Billy Berry's life. Yeah. And, and, and has given me the opportunity to understand that my job is to, to take boys and, and try to, as hard as I can to make them into men, it's to impact as many people as humanly possible mm -hmm. with just a kind word or a smile or a wow. conversation. Uh, not that we get it right every day, but uh, but I think my I think what I'll look like at 54 will be a lot different than what I look like at 44, or 34, sure. or 24, because he's taught me more in nine months than I, than anybody than you or anybody else combined could have taught me just sitting down and having a conversation. Just the way he lives his life, just the way he comes to our practices every day, just the way you see him in the stands, his family. You know, it's been if, if you know we're blessed to be playing Friday night, but at the same time we've already won. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Turn up the volume in your earbuds as we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We stand as your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and a place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Another fantastic episode on deck. This one live face-to-face -face out in Lewiston, Idaho as we sit around home plate and connect with one of this year's national championship coaches. We're going to take a walk through consistency inside our programs and man, bring pen and paper for this one. Few reminders before we get rolling, especially for the first timers dialing into the podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on your device so you never miss a show. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated and share these shows with everyone inside your baseball circle. Counting this week's show, we have 135 episodes that can make you a better coach. So dive in and let us know what jumps out through the speakers. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaches fraternity here is all about, check out our new YouTube channel. Brand new episode of ABCA Extra Innings coming your way this week. You don't want to miss that one. Find us at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 and make sure you hit subscribe on there as well. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. I'm wrapping up a whirlwind tour, catching five different championships inside of 15 calendar days. And let me be the first to say that we have some very special coaches inside this fraternity. Leaving the office and meeting you guys at your championships, the Twitter engagement, the DMs, the texts, the calls, they have been huge. And it's nothing short of motivating to hear how much this association means to you. Much more to come. Keep letting us know your feedback, and we appreciate each of you riding shotgun with us. And the last shout-out going to the proud sponsor of this podcast, our great friends over at AstroTurf, the leaders in the clubhouse for the turf industry. Dial back to episode 131, and you're going to hear us connecting with the National Director of Baseball, Aaron Klotz, great friend of the podcast, loyal listener, 
and he breaks down the latest on what's happening there for the AstroTurf team. And I got to tell you, it is so cool to hear the details behind the fastest turf system that's been designed by baseball metrics that you can find out there on the market. So much to be discovered inside what's happening there. So give them a follow on social media. They're at AstroTurf USA. You can also head over to their website, AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com. And find out why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Okay, with all that being said, let me lay out these numbers and let's see what you think. 18 straight regular season conference championships, 11 straight bids to the national tournament, five appearances in the World Series, an average of over 43 wins inside of the 12 years with this week's guest at the helm, and just recently bringing back to Athens, Tennessee, the program's second NAIA national championship. This week's guest is none other than Tennessee Wesleyan University skipper Billy Berry. With this interview recorded live from home plate at Harris Field in Lewiston, Idaho, the day before Billy and the Bulldogs would find themselves dogpiling near the pitcher's mound, capping a historic run and even further cementing TWU at the forefront of NAIA baseball. This has been happening for a while now, and we focus on that consistency inside this episode as Coach Barry opens up and pays homage to the coaches who came before him and then details how he and his staffs over the years have held true to the values of the program. It's across all fronts as Billy details his approach to recruiting, practice, development, game strategy, and even community involvement, which the Bulldogs were blessed to encounter. Neelan Pickle, who offered Billy and his program some perspective, and it was only fitting to see Neelan sitting on top of the dog pile with his new brothers there in Lewiston. It's a walk through Coach Barry's growth as a leader, how he specifically molds leadership within his locker room, and the principles that he holds true, which has helped keep Tennessee Wesleyan in the title conversation for so many years then, and certainly for many more years to come. So pull up a bucket with us. We're going to sit around home plate and reflect with Bulldogs head coach Billy Berry as he is our guest on this week's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coming to you live from Lewiston, Idaho, home of the NAI World Series. Out here on the field, Billy Berry, head coach at Tennessee Wesleyan. Billy, how's things going? Everything's great, Shoots. We're excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. This is pretty cool. So yeah. it's an awesome opportunity to kind of hang out here on Harris Field yeah, and catch up a little bit. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but now we get a chance. We set up the cameras. We'll let this thing roll. We appreciate you guys dialing into this. Um, let's start here. Let, let's go to just this experience here in Lewiston because it's hard to – as a coach, and I got my chance, we'll get back to start on the NAI level and to now be here for the last four years and experience it just as a coach, as a bystander, as a fan. How is it as a coach? Because the community absolutely wraps their arms around you guys when you get here. How is that for you all? It's, I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, I, I think all the talk of, of, you know, all the times that they've said that maybe we should do something different. Maybe we should do yeah. that. If you want to do something different, you know, you really need to come out here and spend the full freight good point. out here and yep. really see what happens and really see uh, not just what happens at the field, but yes. what happens when uh, you're out in the community. Uh, I, I remember, th you know, 
this past week going to the gas station and, and just getting a bottle of water and, and the lady, you know, I spent 15 minutes in the gas station. Wearing you out. You know, everything about <laughs> sure. you know, Tennessee Wesleyan and how we were doing mm-hmm. and this and that. And, and uh, it's just, it's a whole community thing. And I think that's really familiar to us because Athens is the same way. It's such a community-based sure. deal and uh, how they rally around us and those sort of things. So, you know, I, you couldn't put in a better venue. Um, yeah. I've said it before. I don't care how long it takes to get here. I don't care how many connected flights you have to have at the end of the day. <laughs> sure. You know, this experience is something for, for our kids uh, and for everybody's kids that has the opportunity to be here. It's really a shame that everybody doesn't get this opportunity at some point yeah. in time because it's just it's really a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And, and we've been fortunate enough to do it now, you know, four times, yeah. five times as a program, four yeah. times for me as a coach. And, uh, you know, it's it's – I don't think you could compare it to somewhere else. Gosh, yeah, I have to completely agree with you. The first time I came out and I got to watch that night game and LC State's playing and this place is packed. We've got stands out in left field. You've got standing room up here. You've got stands up above. And there was a real magic in the air. Like you you really felt at home for NAI baseball. And I think the cool part for your, for your kids would be um, when they come here, what's really unique is the area kids – your team are their rock stars for a week. They are rock stars around here. How do your players react to that? What's their feedback? You know, I would say it like this, that I think that NAI baseball is tough from the standpoint of, sure. you know, not everybody's blessed to have lights. Not mm-hmm. everybody's blessed to live in a community that's, that, that really supports them the way that bigger schools do. Sure. I think for one week, our guys get to experience being big time. There it is. You know what I mean? Yes. I think for one yes. week, our guys get to experience, you know, in, in Athens, you know, we get a good draw on the weekends, but sometimes during the week, you know, on Tuesday, sure. she's dressed up like a seat sometimes. So it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, but for one week, they get to come here and they get to really experience what it's like to be, you know, a big time wow. college baseball player. And for that, you know, whether you win one game, whether you go two and out, whether you, you know, make it to the national championship. Doesn't game, matter. I don't think it matters yep. because the experience is something that you're going to hold on to for the rest Gosh. of your career. So I think that if, if I don't take anything else out away from it, sure. I think I take that from it is that I watch our kids and, and for a week, they have smiles on their faces from the time they walk in to the time they leave. Oh, and I think that's, that's really cool. That's really special. Obviously, building memories. I've had sure. so many folks reach out that saw that we're here, and all of them, hey, flood me with memories. Which I coached at Spalding. They had a run here, and they're all, hey, we, you know, we had such a great time there in Lewis and enjoy it. Um, I want to go into ABCA stuff because you and I've got so much to get to, and there's a lot inside this conversation. We're gonna get back to inside the program and, and what it looks like in terms of building a consistent winner. But I definitely want to start from the ABCA perspective because I know you're a loyal guy and it's always great for us to give you an opportunity to talk about what the association's done for you or how you felt it's helped you grow. Can you open up that yeah, for us? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a situation where I think the growth of NAIA baseball from my time starting when I was at Bluefield to going to Westland sure. is just, it's been a, a huge transformation. And I think the ABCA has played a huge role in that. I mm. think your role uh, when they hired you has really, you got a coach in there. You know, you got yeah, somebody in yeah. there that's, that's, that's had boots on the ground yep. and somebody that understands what we go through on a daily basis. I've got my brains beat yeah. in by you. I mean, I've and, been there before. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That worked out perfectly. Um, But, you know, I think that's what's helped is that you've got guys in there that understand what what I go through, what other guys go through on a daily basis. And and there's a real connection there now, I think, that maybe wasn't there before, you know, Hmm. for the smaller school guys. Sure. Uh, You know, you see what you see on TV. I mean, we see the great college baseball that's played on TV and and all those things. And, and, and it's as important to us as it is to those guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, I tell guys all the time when we recruit guys, if you could pick three schools you wanted to go to, you know, what would they be? And you'll hear Miami, Texas, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, you know, all these other schools. And, and you know, we try to tell guys that, 
that this is our Texas. This is our I love it. This is the most important you know thing to us and what we do, yep. and we and we run it just like that. Yep. So I think that's been a huge benefit is to put somebody that that has had boots on the ground in in, in our industry, hmm. and and to have somebody that supports that on a daily basis, which is what sure. you guys do, and it's been tremendous. That's outstanding. Well, I want to go back. You opened up the door there on your time at Bluefield, and certainly being a young coach, getting the Wesleyan job, working your way through for for twelve years. Short stand out the back and. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back to, take me back to who you were as the player, walking into those Legion years, walking into Bluefield and carry us all the way through. You know, I wouldn't want to coach me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> were you a firecracker I was player? A little bit, I was a little bit much. I, think I could you see know, that. My dad could sit here, he would say I was a little bit much sure. at times. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I had a fiery personality. Yeah. Um, you know, I played hard. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't the most gifted athlete probably, but at the same time, you know, I tried to overcome a lot of different things and, and, and had, a, I guess, a solid career playing and yeah. really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, so that was, you know, kind of the playing days. And, and, you know, I was a terrible student, which, you know, kind of limited my options coming <laughs> sure. to high school. So, you know, I went to Bluefield and had a great experience and, okay. and, and got a chance to play early in my career, which is something I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do if I went somewhere else. Hmm. And, and um, when I got done playing, I was done, man. I was, you know, it was one of those things where I thought, all right, I'm going to go make money. I'm going to go rule the world. I'm going to, you know, do all these things. And, and uh, I floundered around for the first uh, about year. Okay. Uh, my dad's an accountant, so he traded out uh, some some accountant work so me and two of my buddies could live at a townhouse. For oh, free. goodness. Uh, so we did that. I had no bank account. Uh, I worked Monday through Thursday. I worked Monday through Friday. I worked three jobs to make one full-time job. Oh, my gosh. Um, and really didn't have a whole lot of direction. But thought, ah, I'm not sure if this is what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> sure. Um, so what happened was John Morano, uh, who was my high school coach, uh, he called me and uh, he said, hey, uh, you know, I want you to come work with us this spring at the high school. And I went, nah, I'm good. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I'm out. Um, and so he left it for about two weeks and then he called me back and he said, let me rephrase it for you like this. You're not doing anything. Yeah. So you're going to do We need this. you. And so, I, yeah. you know, so I went out and did it and man, I fell in love with it. And, uh, and we won a state championship in the first year. He's yep. a great coach, yep. great mentor to me still to this day. And, um, you know, it just kind of took off from there. And then four years of high school, two different places, yep. uh, kind of got the bug and, and thought, you know, I want to go a little bit further. Guys like Marlon Eikenberry, who I grew up yeah. with and, you know, was at VMI at the time mm-hmm. and, and has always been a dear friend of mine. And, and um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where I wanted to kind of figure out, you know, what was the next step. And wow. so uh, we were married, you know, Jackie and I were married at the time, you know, we had been married for a couple of years and I looked at her and I said, Hey honey, I'm going to take this uh, $10,000 job at Bluefield as an assistant. And I'm going to leave this teaching position. Don't you think that sounds good? <laughs> yeah. And she kind of, you know, and to her credit, man, she's been a trooper yes. every step of the way. I mean, I couldn't, I, you know, God's blessed me with such a beautiful and wonderful wife who has been so understanding, yep. uh, who has, has taken chances with me after chance and, and they always seem to work out. So wow. we moved to Bluefield and, and uh, I was an assistant there for, for one year uh, and I remember Greg Stewart was the head coach he's now the softball coach at Oregon Tech great guy Okay. and um, we're driving over I don't know if you know where you know at Bluefield the school and the, and the, and the park are separated so there's about a, eh, a little less than a half a mile drive so we play the last conference series of the year, and, and he goes, uh, so I'm one year in. Now I've left this job, and I'm one year in, and we're driving back. And you're 26? I'm 26, I think, at yeah. the time. Yeah, and so he says, uh, he goes, well, that's it. And I said, yeah, that's it. You know, it's a good regular season. We're going to go to the tournament. He goes, no, that's it. I'm moving back to Oregon. And I went, really? That's great. And um, so I thought to myself, you know, I get it. You know, family comes first. Sure. And, and it was a family decision for him. And 
But uh, I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to do now? Like, here I am. I'm 26 oh, years old. Gosh. And, and uh, Scott Bryan was the AD at the time. And, and uh, he walked in and, and about a week later and he said, uh, he said, hey, what do you think about taking this job? And I thought, I mean, what do you say? Were so, you ready? No. Not even close. Not. You, <laughs> no, no chance. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, you know, it, it wasn't so much. I think it was just the, 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 the age part was what had okay. me hung up. You okay. know, you're coaching guys that are level. two or three years younger than you. And, yeah. and how are you going to be able to navigate through that? Sure. And, um, and, but I took it and, uh, and, and stayed there for two years and, and really learned. It was great for me because, you know, guys like Ash Law, guys like Ashley Lawson mm-hmm. and Danny Clark, they mm-hmm. were so good to me. You know, uh, Danny was at Milligan at the time. Ash was at Ten- you know, Ash was at Wesleyan. Yeah. Uh, I spent more time on the phone with those guys, talking and just kind of learning what to do yep. and, and how to do things. And and uh, but it was great for me because for two years, everything that I did, I either it was either success or failure, and I got to learn everything hmm. kind of on the fly on my own. And um, just really failed a lot, which was good. Yeah. Uh, and really kind of learned that you know. Uh, I took too much of probably as a player into a coach, and that wasn't good. Yeah. And you really had to kind of figure out, you know, those sort of things. And and uh, I remember we played. We had a, we had John Link was was the guy that was spent uh, spent time in the big leagues with the Dodgers. Was a transfer from VCU, and he was the only arm we had. You know, he was one of the few arms we had. <laughs> sure. You know that year, and and uh, we beat Weslin uh, in the one eight game that night in the tournament. My my second year. And we knew Willie was going back to, you know, I should said that Willie was going back to Chicago with his, with his family and he was going to take the job at Wheaton Academy. And uh, so they were going to, their job was going to be open. And um, I still say to this day, the only reason why I got the Wesleyan job is because Tom Griffin got the Carson Newman job. I really think if Carson Newman hadn't hired Tom Griffin, he was the right guy wow. for the job at Wesleyan. Uh, but, you know, I interviewed and, and Coach Harrison, uh, Coach Stan Harrison gave a 20 year old kid an opportunity that he probably wasn't, you know, my resume, I wasn't qualified. Sure. I mean, but they took a chance and, you know, kind of, you know, it's kind of, you know, here we are today. Yeah, so it's worked itself out. I guess. Um, go back to that young coach. I think there's so much to take away when you allow yourself to take time to reflect on your personal growth. I mean, in terms of how you've matured, how you've grown how your, your communication skills have sharpened, your leadership principles have been defined. Who was that young coach? Who was that young Billy Berry? Uh, you know, it was a guy that just kind of thought that, you know, hey, my my job is defined by how many games I win and how many games I lose. There it That's is. success for me. That was success. Is, is, do, you feel like, do you feel like you sacrifice relationships with players early question. because of that? Okay. I, I wish I could go back and do it over again. Yep. I really do. I mean, I wish. And, and I, that's, I, I mean, is that, that's everybody. Yes, right? 100%. I can go, you know, if I could go back and if the older me could look at the younger me, the older me would kick the younger me's tail. You know what I mean? No it's doubt. Kind of one of those deals. And, <laughs> Punch him in the and, face exactly. and sit down and have a conversation. Say, yeah, <laughs> all right, now sit down sure. and let's do what we're doing right no now. No doubt. Let me explain to you, you know, how you're screwing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the one thing that I learned over time was, is that, you know, not, you can't coach everybody the same way. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, but I think, you know, and we'll get into this probably later, but mm-hmm. I think my perspective, if nothing else, has grown more this last year uh, yeah. because of the fact yep. of, you know, it, it took 44 years and it took an eight-year-old kid for me to realize what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh my gosh. And, and, and I think that if nothing else happens this season, Neil and Pickle has changed not only Tennessee Wesleyan's life, but he's also changed Billy Berry's life. Yeah. And, and, and has given me the opportunity to understand that my job is to, to take boys and, and try to, as hard as I can to make them into men, it's to impact as many people as humanly possible mm-hmm. with just a kind word or a smile or a wow. conversation. Uh, not that we get it right every day, 
but uh, but I think my I think what I'll look like at 54 will be a lot different than what I look like at 44, or 34, sure. or 24, because he's taught me more in nine months than I than anybody than you or anybody else combined could have taught me just sitting down and having a conversation. Just the way he lives his life, just the way he comes to our practices every day, just the way you see him in the stands, his family. You know, it's been if, if you know we're blessed to be playing Friday night, but at the same time we've already won. Sure. Oh gosh, that's so powerful. Okay, I want to come back to Neilan here in a minute, okay. but but I definitely want to maybe dig our heels in, Billy, on the I think the takeaways. I think if if there's a and we certainly do. We have such a young group of loyal ABC members that listen to these podcasts religiously, and they obviously they're on social media, and you see it and you watch it, and it's really cool. Now, what I think they need to hear from you, someone with your perspective, is what are the key lessons that you think if you had to boil it down, like these things jump off as a young coach. That when I look back, I'm so glad I learned this, this, and this, and that helps me coach at 44. What would those be? I think the first one is is when I had my own kids. I think when okay. I had my own children, and I started realizing that you know early on, you know, people would watch something now, and then they'd say at 44, and they'd say, "Well, let me tell you some stories about this cat when he was 24, yeah, yeah, 20." You know, and and you can't get away from those things. That's no. just life. We all yep. make mistakes and do that. But I think when I had Brady. Uh, and even when we had Brooks and Brindley, it just started to give me perspective that I'm coaching somebody else's son. I'm sure. coaching somebody else's kid. Sure. And I think the way, you know, that I'm hard on my kids at times and, and, and we have to make tough calls in, in certain areas and certain things with, mm-hmm. with discipline or how we love them and those sort of things. And I think that's what we've tried to take into, you know, what we do with our kids here wow. is, is just really understand that I'm coaching somebody else's kid. How would I want that person, if you had my kid, to interact with them. Now, do we always get it right? Are there some heated conversations that go on? Are there some things that sure. happen? Absolutely. But I think the difference in me as an older coach now, as a younger coach, we had those tough conversations and we left them alone. Okay. Didn't come back to them. Now we have those tough conversations and we revisit them an hour later and we talk about why it is that way. I'll give you an example. Last night, Dan Fry, you know, the guy's playing his rear end off. Sure. But we make a mistake in the base running area. I come back to the dugout and I get in him a little bit. Before he came up for his next at bat, I called Tom. You know, we talked a little yep. bit right there. And I just yep. told him, I said, man, hey, we're going to make mistakes, but this is the next at bat. I love you. Let's get it done. Mm. And, you know, and, and he ends up scoring a run that in. Yeah. But I think the difference between me now and me earlier was, is I would have had that conversation and that would have been it. Stewed on it the rest of the game. The rest of the day. Yeah. Or let him stew on it the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. But I think sometimes you just have to get your point across, and then you. But you have to. You know, if you're going to get on them hard, you got to love them hard. And, and I think sometimes that's a uh, that's a difficult thing to do. But if I could, you know, if the younger again, if the older me could talk to the younger me, sure. that's, I think the best advice that I could give myself. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a maturation of of, and it's hard. I was, I was trying to think. Like we always talk about. If there was a pill you could give the younger coach, and, and it's it's full of perspective, it's full of wisdom, and it's like this boiled down concoction that that gives them the mindset that they're going to excel right away. If you could almost cut out that learning process, but there's so much to be gained in that learning process. I think the the look back, the view back on our on our start really helps us propel us where we're at, and certainly moving forward. Go back to taking over Tennessee Wesleyan, because obviously Ash is a great friend, and I know how awesome of a person he is working with the Mets now. And But taking over Tennessee Wesleyan and taking over a program that at that time was doing fantastic things on the NAI level. So go back to maybe uh, the expectations that you felt at night when you put your head down, maybe a little bit of pressure from school, from yourself, from community. Uh, <laughs> open that up for us. Petrified, I think is the best word. <laughs> Petrified. Uh, there were many times that I looked at my wife and I said, I don't, don't know about this. Right there or not. Um, you know, no, 
I was, I think it was a perfect time for me because I feel like, you know, at Bluefield I had, you know, we had failed at times and yeah. we had succeeded at some times. We had some great moments with those kids and, and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without, without those kids sure. and, and, and the help that they gave me and, and all those things and, and, and playing as hard as they did and doing those things. And it prepared, you know, and it helped me, you know, to catapult, you know, into, to, to getting the Wesleyan job. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the thing is, is I felt like when I took the job that I really dove into to Ash and, and Coach Norfleet and to Willie and some other people and just said, hey, you guys are rolling. Yeah. Tell me how you do it. And then try to really take some of what my, I guess my style or, or yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. but try to morph it into what their style was. Sure. Because I really thought if you go in there on day one and you try to turn that thing upside down 360 degrees, you're going to fail. 100%. And they're, they're winning right now and they're, you know, they've got to take some more steps. There's more steps to go. Uh, I don't think anybody at that time thought that where they were is where they want, that was the finished product. Yes. They wanted, you know, that was a world series. There's more club. in a tank. I would tell you to this day, if they had the format that they have now, that Ash would have taken three or four teams to the world series. No question. Um, but you know, it was, that was the thing is that you really diving into their culture and really diving into what they did well. So what was their culture? And what what would you tweak? I guess. I think we just kind of tweaked maybe just, you know, maybe it was just little things that you really can't even really talk about. Maybe it was just some little things that really, but you know, they were so aggressive. They were always so, um, they they were so, there was such a presence about when you played. Them. Sure. You know, I used to always say that, you know, in our conference, when they got off the bus, they were up one to nothing. There it you is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was just one of those things where I just wanted to try to do everything that we could to continue that process and, and to lean on those guys on a daily basis. And, and, um, it helped, you know, in a lot of ways. And I would think that over the years, if you go back and you look at the, the product that we have right now mm-hmm. and the product that we have, it's very similar to those products. Sure. And I think that's the thing that I'm most proud of is that maybe the faces have changed uh, and maybe some of what we do has changed a little bit. But at the same time, the core values and the core, uh, I guess, the, pillars, yeah, covenants. Yeah, what, yeah just the, yeah. the core values and what that program has always looked like has sustained through three coaches, Coach Norfleet, Ashley Lawson, Willie Bosk, and myself. And even, wow. and even Travis Watson. I mean, those sort of, yeah. there's been a long line of guys. And, and so it's one of those things where I think if you look at it, that's the thing is that it's sustainable success and it's consistent success. And it looks eerily similar, uh, you know, all the way through. And I think that's the thing that when we talk and when we sit down, wow. I think that's the thing that's cool is, is we've, you know, we've been to the World Series. We've won a national championship. But I don't think we've lost perspective of who we are as a program, and we've mm. kept that brand alive for for years. And I think that's the cool thing. And you just walked into my spider web because that that's the bulk of this. I really want to get into, and I think a lot of coaches are intrigued by consistent winners because we all know as coaches we're working hard to get to the hurdle and and stare at it and go, okay, now now how do I jump over this thing? That may take a year, two or three. Then you jump over it, and you finally maybe you land either in a third place, second place, or you win a national championship. But man, then it's coming back the next year with that target on your back again, and then how to continue to kind of move forward. So what you've been able to do and what Ashley's built and where it's kind of gotten to, the Tennessee Wesleyan program is a consistent winner. Year in and year out, you can count on them being at the top. 
Go back to, and, and let's build the platform for this. Go back to the core covenants. Define those for us. What's it look like? What are the things you talk about meeting number one? We talk about on the recruiting trail with your guys. We, I mean, the biggest thing that we talk about is we want guys that want to be there. You know, okay. every guy that you recruit, I think sometimes at this level has a story and it goes down the blo- it goes down the street and around the block. <laughs> sure. You know, I think the one thing that we talk to guys about is for the first time in your life, somebody's going to take that chalkboard of all the stuff that's happened to you or all the stuff that you self-inflicted and we're going to wipe it clean. That's awesome. And if you choose to do the same thing while you're here, I don't know how long it's going to last here either. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're going to give you another chance. We're going to give you another chance to kind of hmm. just kind of resurrect your career sure. yourself and, and do that and give them the platform to do that. Uh, you know, the, one of the other things that we talk about is we're never going to be just good enough to get there. We don't ever want to be just good mm-hmm. enough to be there. You know, we want to be good enough that when we get there that we can knock down the door. And if we can't knock down the door, then we're going to be holding on to the door till somebody else knocks it down. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that wow. this group has done this year. If you really look at last year, you know, we – we, we finished, uh, you know, we tied for the regular season championship, but we didn't win it because Brian beat us two out of three. So if you ask me, Brian was the AAC champion. Sure. You know, we made it to the finals of the tournament, point beat us in 16 innings. You know, we made it to the opening round, and, and Adrian and them had the best team, and they beat us in the finals. Yep. We didn't really win anything, but we were just good enough to be there, and that was one of the things that we talked about moving forward on day one is we're never going to be just good enough to be there anymore. We're gonna, when we get there, we're going to be good enough to win. And if we can't win – then we're going to be, you know, we're going to give them hell trying. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, you know, I think that's really the thing that sticks out the most is that, you know, when you put that jersey on, and, and it sounds cheesy and kind of cliche is, but when you put that jersey on, there's a ton of guys that have put that jersey on before you so that you have the opportunity like these guys have tomorrow night. Sure. So in terms of maybe day-to-day, because none of us are going to be inside your locker room. That, that's a special place for you and your coaches and your players. What's it feel like inside the locker room in terms of the coach-to-player relationship? What's that communication look like, player-to-player communication and relationship? Define what it might look like or feel like or taste like inside your locker room. We, had, you know, we have a leadership council that we use. Okay. You know, we've got some seniors that we use from time to time. We don't. I don't really love captains because I think you know leadership is kind of, you know, you either have it or you don't. Sure. You know, it's not really. Sure. And it can be a learned trait as well. But at the same time, you know, Cole Belair and Braden Mosley and Al Cruz this year have been guys that have been in the program. And, and uh, we try to keep that buffer so Sometimes mm-hmm. between, you know, and, and, and make sure that if there's anything that we have to address or anything like that, and, and they kind of run our locker room and make sure that things are, you know, moving along and doing those things. And, you know, we have, you know, again, our assistants do a great job of, of, of the day-to-day with our kids and, and really kind of diving into what they have going on and, and, you know, whether it be school or whether it be, you know, personal problems. I mean, you know how it is. You sure. deal with everything. I mean, sure. I've dealt with, you know, everything from, you know, I could tell you some stories, yeah. you know, it's one of those things, but you know, that's, that's goes back to the part of you're just not coaching the player. You're coaching the person as well right, and right. doing that. Uh, but I think our communication is good. We have a good time when it's time to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, you know, we work when it's time to work, but uh, I don't think there's, I, I would say this, I don't think there's anything in our program that ever goes left unsaid. And I think that's one of the things that we wow. can kind of pride ourselves on is that uh, if we've got issues, we bring them to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, you know, I've always said that if you're going to get on them, then you got to give them the positives as well. And we yeah. try to do that on a daily basis as well. But, um, you know, I think if you came and watched us, it's kind of like just, you know, watching guys that uh, that are, are together for a long time. And, yeah. and there's going to be some good days. And every day is not a Sunday, but there's a lot of really good days wrapped up in there too. Oh, my goodness. So, Obviously, I gave you a compliment before we got recording. I think it's a huge compliment for any coach. It's uh, it's like the post game. I really like the way your team plays. Well, yeah, that that's great. I think uh, it goes a step further when 
coaches that are here watching the tournament, when they say, I really enjoy watching them play, but I enjoy being around them. They carry themselves the right way. They look the part when they walk around. It's yes, sir, no, sir, thank you. You can just tell there's a level of maturity there that certainly may have shown up with the player in terms of how he was raised, but there's something inside that 18 to 22-year-old time frame inside of Wesleyan that they're getting that from you. How are you, how are you kind of crafting that? How are you molding that of, of helping those guys understand that it's much bigger? It is about, again, being courteous to people around you. How are you building that, I guess, that holistic person, that whole holistic development? I'm extremely hard on our guys in the fall. Okay. I'm extremely hard. I, one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was two days ago, Steve Les, who's the pitching coach yeah. at Georgia Gwinnett. Yeah. Steve came to me and he said that he was talking to one of our players at breakfast and they were just kind of talking about the program itself and this. And I don't know which player it was, he didn't tell me, but he said that that player said, we feel like we can't get away with anything in the fall. We feel like that everything that we do is is harped on or talked about sure. or anything, whether it be classes or the way we play or the way we act, you know, stuff that happens off the field. He said, but what's weird is, is that we get to this time of year and we feel like we have so much freedom. And, and I think the thing that what that said to me wow. was is that we are whatever we're doing, we're doing it right yes. because it's kind of like, you know, raising kids. You know, you, you hammer them, you hammer them, you hammer them. Let them go. And then when you got to let them go, you hope they make the right decisions. <laughs> sure. And I think that's – I think if nothing else, that's probably it. You know, oh, I was wow. playing for a guy one time that he said – you don't let a single mistake pass because if you let one mistake pass, you'll let the next one pass, yeah. and then you'll let the next one yeah. after that. They won't love you for it while it's going on, but they'll understand it after it's over with. And Gosh. so for him to say that to me the other day was was the best compliment of, of a pro, inside our program that I think I've ever gotten because if that's how that kid feels and that's how the rest of our kids feel, then we got it right. What you tolerate, you encourage. No question. You know, you can no. define that. No question. Okay, so in terms of that leadership group and and definitely the, the vocal – players on your team how are you kind of crafting that leadership how are you because at times we know 18 22 year olds are trying to figure it out and so say they'll, they'll step outside themselves they'll, they'll they'll step into a place where you know through experience that hey man if you come at players this way or if you say it this way it's not really heard how are you kind of crafting that message in terms of letting them at 22 be ready to go crush life we talk to them a little bit we meet on mondays in the fall and okay. we kind of talk to them a little bit we got you know, with the council things yeah we've got okay. some things that we kind of use as teaching you know things that kind of give them you know, avenues to be able to handle, you know, certain things, sure. whether it be, you know, there's things that we want our kids to handle inside our program. I don't want to take care of everything. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I want them to have a ton of, I want them to have ownership in what they're doing. And I mm -hmm. think when, when kids have ownership in what they're doing, they can craft it a couple different ways, yeah. you know, and that's sometimes when I think you have to step in, if it's going the wrong way, you got to step in and kind of reel it back in. But it's really cool when they, when they structure it in a way that is theirs yes. um, and they start gaining some of that freedom. And I think that starts with, at the end of the day, man, you played, I played, you mm -hmm. know, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to that guy who's, you know, 11 and two on the mound, who's got a one something ERA, or you're going to listen to the guy who's been pounding your rear end, you know, for, for, you know, two of two times a week, you sure, know, for the last sure. few weeks. And so I think the kids, you know, our guys, you know, respect one another so much and, and they've got, they can have those hard conversations. And sometimes when they can have those wow. hard conversations and they're equipped to have those hard conversations, yep. the tough part about those hard conversations between kids is not the guy that's saying it. The tough part is the guy that's having to receive it. Right. And when you can build a culture to where a guy can get on another, when, uh, when a player can get on another player and that guy receives it and takes it and they both move forward, sure. then you know you're building a culture that's got a chance to do something. Okay. Every coach listening to this wants to dive into the baseball part of it. So let's, let's, let's kind of 
maybe sink our, our teeth into over time and seeing what matters, especially this time of year. I think that's what great coaches do. They see it, what the championship looks like, what it takes to win a national championship, and then they work their way back and go, okay, I know when the time really comes, we have to be great at this, X, Y, and Z. How have you learned the lessons from those moments and worked your way back to a place of, hey, this is how we run our offense, this is how we pitch, this is how we play defense? Can you define that? Yeah, everything that we do is is really to play here. I mean, that's the thing. Everything that Love we it. do on a daily basis is to play here. We break down to Idaho every single day at the end of practice. We want that to be, you know, what it is. I mean, we've been fortunate to win a lot of conference championships sure. outright. We've been fortunate to win a lot of conference tournaments. We're, you know, we are blessed to be one of two teams in the country since they started this format, mm-hmm. you know, with LSU, Shreveport, and Brent and those guys to be the only two teams that have made it to every opening round, and hopefully wow. that continues. But everything that we do on a daily basis is to, is to get to this, is to play here. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember after 2011 when we lost, you know, we, we lost two games in 2010, and, and we got here, and it was just more like the experience. And yeah. Okay, we made it. Yeah. Okay, we checked that box. Check it and now down. we can move on. <laughs> and then in 2011, you know, when we when we came back, and I and I thought we were more prepared, we weren't. Uh, and and we lost the first two games. And and, uh, and I remember Stephen Baker and I sat down and we said, all right, what do we have to do to get out there and win? And we hmm. started to look at obviously. You've got to you've got to be really good on the mound and, yep. and not just in the front, also in the back. Yes. Because when you get into these dog days of, of where three we twos, are right now, two ones, yeah, yes, you really got to. You know, now you're looking at bringing guys back on four days rest, yep. and you're having to make those decisions. So it was like, hey, we got to sacrifice. You know, we may have to sacrifice an offensive guy to go get another arm. You know, because we're going to need that guy if we get to this point in the tournament and those sort of things. Uh, you got to be multifaceted. You got to be really multifaceted of offensively. Uh, you got to be able to do some different things. I think yeah. this team really kind of embodies that. You know, from the standpoint of is, is we've hit some home runs. Mm-hmm. We you know we can lay down a bunt or two. We can we've sold 110 bases. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you really have to have some consistency across the board in your offense. That if if the long ball doesn't show up and you're facing a guy, which all the I mean, come on, every one of them. This tournament, <laughs> every- Goodness, I mean, you better have another shot in the bag besides just <laughs> sure. the driver, you know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where I think that's just what we've looked at. And, and when we recruit now, it's it's really about you know, how do we recruit the kind of players that, that can get us here and not just get us here, but help us win here while we're here. And how can we structure our offense and our defense and those sort of things? I think, honestly, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, and, and I'd love to hear what other coaches say, but I think you pitch and play defense to get here. But when you get here, you better hit. Because especially when you get to this point in the tournament, yes. if you don't, you know, the team that hits is the team that's going to win. That's a good point. Now, you've always been an offensive club. Like, mm-hmm. again, when we laughed earlier, when we played in 07, you guys at that time, I think you'd set the score record for wins at that point. Right. I think you are leading the country in home runs. I think you hit about four or five of them off us. And uh, I just was amazed from the other dugout going, man, that's an offensive club. That's, a, that's if I ever build an offense, I want it to look like what Wesleyan's got. So when you looked at that team, and that's 07, 08, 09. Obviously, you got 10, 11, and 12. You guys pushed through. Those, those, those formative years of your first three or four were building the program offensively. Things are clicking. A long ball-driven team. What were the holes that you saw that you went, okay, man, we've got to adjust on this part that, that have led you to this point? What are the- I think the biggest thing was is we just didn't have enough. I mean, we were good. You know, okay. We just didn't have enough. It was one of those things where we had to kind of really look and say, 
we were really top heavy on one side and maybe not as you know we were really top heavy as hitters but mm-hmm. we you know we had four or five pitchers that could go out there and give you a chance and so gotcha it, or we had the pitching but maybe we didn't have the offense and that sort of thing and it was how do we structure the whole thing to make it work yes all across the board yes. how do we play defense how do we hit how do we pitch and how do we use the money that we have and the resources that we have to put that together and i think once we kind of looked at that and we really found a balance i think balance is the biggest thing i, I love when it you look at the when you look at this club it's balanced across the mm-hmm. board it can pitch it can play defense you know it can hit it, it can run it, it's got athleticism mm-hmm. you know and i think that's what everybody's kind of looking for is is just that mm-hmm. balance across the board because you can have one of something and not enough of the other and, and that's going to show in yeah. tournaments like this yeah. you know it's going to show in in those dog days of the opening rounds and those sort of things and so i think the team's and obviously, the, the ten teams that that were here to start the week were extremely balanced, and sure. and it was kind of a common theme across the board. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing is just finding that finding consistency throughout you know throughout your lineup, mm-hmm. finding consistency consistency throughout your staff, but really finding that balance as a whole through your entire program, and not just investing everything you got into one thing and going that'll carry us, yeah, 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 because it may not. How have you and your staff balanced consistency? How how have you um, I guess felt like you've arrived at a certain place and then been able to build it through recruiting, through your leadership skills, through uh, driving the team forward. How have you as a, as a personal coach, how have you as your uh, staff maybe grabbed consistency and held on to it? I don't it? think we've changed anything. There you go. I don't okay. Think we've changed it. I think we've stayed, I think we have stayed true. You stayed consistent. We are. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and, and I know that it's, it's not a sexy answer, but I really no, think but that you, that's the thing is yeah. that we haven't really changed it. We come in each year in, in the same principles and the same things are set and and we're going to live up we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that our kids buy in and live up to that on a daily basis and that goes back to way before me that's not a billy berry that's my point that's a tennessee was you can get to a point and go hey man we're we're right there so i need to dial this up and do this Uh, that's fantastic so once you get to to a place if i'm a takeaway as a coach once you get to a place and you feel like you're right there on the cusp come back and be the same person just keep keep i hope that at the end of the day that when this is all over for me, and I know it won't be my career because I wasn't the same person that I am. Sure. But I hope that when this is all over with, that I'm the same guy that I was at 60-some that I was at 30-some. That's wow. what I hope. Is that I hope that, that, that when it's all said and done, that, that I did right by Ash, I did right by Coach Norfleet, I did right by Coach Harrison, I did right by Donnie, I did right by Dr. Knowles and the university. Wow. And, and that I'm the same guy. You know, whenever they whenever they decide to kick me out the door, sure. the same guy. And I think that's the thing is that I think we can. It's always better. I'd love to win the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's always something else out there. Yeah. There's always something else out there. Yeah. But I think you know, in order to in order to in order to really see, you know, the the full spectrum of, of what you're doing is you really just have to stay true to who, true to what you're doing. And, and I think that's because just because you change something doesn't mean it's going to work. That's right. That's right. Okay. Perspective building 101. You mentioned it earlier of how much Neyland has come into the program, really changed you, changed the team, changed the dynamic of Coach Laramore and I go back a long ways and he was breaking down the story of, of how this, this entered the program and, and you got to think you just lost a game. He walks in and it's, you could just feel that he said you could feel the shift within our group and, and something clicked. Give us the lead up to the story of how he got involved with the program, and certainly the dig your your teeth into how it's changed you, how it's changed your kids, how it's sure. changed your program. 
My daughter, my daughter goes to City Park. Yeah. She's in preschool there. So her and my wife, she's sitting at the counter one night doing her thing, and, and I'm in the kitchen, and I'm halfway listening, halfway not listening, and, you know, coming home from practice or whatever, and she starts talking about this kid, and we went outside, and we walked, and, and you know, he has to leave school and this and that, and I kind of was like, you know, kind of catching bits and pieces oh, of the story. Man. And so I asked uh, I asked Jackie that night when we when – after everybody went to bed, I said, what was she talking about? And she said, well, apparently there's a kid there that, that has cancer and he's got to leave school. And so Neelan is named after, I'm guessing, I've never asked Jason, but Neelan is named after Neelan Stadium. They're huge Tennessee fans. So, you know, so at Tennessee, what they do is they do what they call a ball walk. And, and basically what they do is, is is they make a tee and, you know, the football team runs through it. Sure. And goes that way. Sure. And so City Park made a tee and let him walk through it with his parents. And, and so they did that. Wow. So. I was in, you know, it was kind of, you know, one of those things where I kind of got up the next morning and was more intrigued a little bit just about the story. And, and you know, the, one of the things that I would say is our community has been so supportive of, of me personally, mm-hmm. not just the program, but just me and my family personally. Sure. And, and I thought, what a great opportunity for us to give something back. And so I called a buddy of mine that knew another buddy of mine that knew another buddy and, and I was able to track down the dad's number. So I called him and, and I just said, hey, you know, I kind of heard the story and, and, you know, kind of talked to him a little bit about that. And he kind of gave me some background on it. And I said, well, we'd love if he's up to it, we'd love for him to come to practice and just kind of hang out with the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do that. And they said, okay, great. So, you know, they showed up and, and you know, he was, he was pretty sick at that point and was having to wear a mask. And, and he was kind of on the beginning of, of kind of the road that he was going to have to go through with the bone marrow transplant and everything else. And so he kind of was huddled up on his dad's hip the whole time, but he came to practice. We gave him some gear and mm-hmm. hung out with him, took a couple pictures and, and signed some stuff for him. And, and, you know, we thought that, you know, that'd be the end of it. We, obviously we left an open invitation. Yeah. To, hey, if you want to come back and, and whatnot, but, uh, didn't really know, you know, didn't really think much more about it after that. And uh, ended up that um, he was supposed to come back to practice uh, a couple days later. Uh, he got sick um, and had to go to Knoxville to, to be in the hospital. So um, we just, so myself and, and Cole Blair and, and Phil Seeley and Alex Balter, we loaded up the day he was supposed to come to practice and basically told him, hey, if you can't come to practice, we'll come to you. So <laughs> we went and drove down to Knoxville to the hospital and, and I spent some time with him there. And, and then when he was well enough to come back, he started coming to practice again. And, and honestly, man, it just kind of took off from there. And, and, um, he ended up, uh, he ended up having to go to Nashville, uh, for his bone marrow transplant. 120 days he had to be there for 120 days you know post transplant so we did some you know we spent some time up there and we drove up there a couple times and saw him and 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 did that uh what's so cool about the story and what people don't really realize is is that uh he has a younger brother named cooper and cooper is uh there's a million some odd donors in the country for bone marrow neilan only has one match and that's his younger brother wow um and the crazy thing about that is is that jason and and sylvia have two daughters neilan and then after Neil was born, Jason had a vasectomy. So the one person that can give the bone marrow to Neilan, not even supposed to be here. Oh, my goodness me, gracious. You know, what goes on with that? If that doesn't make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. So, uh, so, you know, we went a few times to Nashville and did that. And, um, and when he came back, you know, he was good to go. And, and um, we were able to, to – he just kept coming to practice, kept coming to games. And, and uh, it just kind of has, you know, really kind of developed into what you see today, which is a – which is a, a relationship that will go on far, far, far after this season's over with mm. and, uh, and be a big part of things moving forward. How's that hit your players? I think it's changed them. I think it's given them perspective. I think they, 
I think, you know, the thing that you have to understand is, is this kid's life is not easy. You know, mm-hmm. what he goes through on a daily basis is not easy. What he has to endure is not easy. Uh, and these guys want to complain about having to get up and go to class and go to practice. Don't start. I think it's changed them and just the way that they play, the way that they, you know, uh, they're playing for something much more than mm-hmm. just Friday night. Mm-hmm. And, and I, they may not tell you that, but uh, you can see it in the way that they go, the way they interact with them, the way they, the way they love on them, the way, you know, here's the thing. You would know as well as I do. An 18 to 22 year old is not going to do anything that they don't want to do. No so doubt. When they do it, it's genuine. Yeah. It mean it, it's not. They're not being forced to. They're not being forced to have. You know, they don't. They're not forced to play hacky sack with him in the parking lot at right. the hotel. They're right. not forced to to interact with him on the field. They know if they don't want to do it, they just don't. So whatever our kids are doing, it's genuine because they really love him. Um, we talk about faith a lot on the show. It comes up quite a bit, and uh, I know you're a man of faith, and I think you can't walk past the fact that your daughter comes home and has the conversation you can't walk past the fact that obviously jason the vasectomy cooper's in this world how's this affected your faith (laughs) yeah it's his dad sent me a text uh actually today I was on the phone with Ash. I was running, and I stopped. I was on the phone with Ash, and his dad sent me a text today, and it was a picture that he took right there the other day, and um, it was after we beat St. Thomas. And I grabbed him, and I lifted him up and just kind of was yelling, and, you know, he's smiling. And, and uh, his dad said that he thought that that picture summed up the entire season because the way that we had lifted his son up and his family – he, you know, he would never be able to forget that. And so for me, if nothing else, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's made me look at my own family differently. Mm-hmm. It's made me look at, uh, you know, these kids differently. It doesn't mean I get it right every day, man. I screw it up all the time. Sure. But, uh, but like I said, whatever happens tomorrow night is going to happen, but we've won this season's been way way bigger than than 55 wins or national no doubt oh man (sighs) i I love it you got me right there too you said something to me i called you it's been about three four weeks ago and you said something to me and something you said when we started this interview you look the tennessee wesleyan jobs if it's your your tennessee um it's your vanderbilt Mm -hmm. it's your ucla I think that plays in the consistency part as well. I think it's the old adage of be where your feet are. I think it's, you know, be great where you are. Um, do you think that's played a role in terms of your perspective of the way that you view the program? And certainly you view your place in college baseball in terms of I don't need to keep looking over fences. Man, I, I've, I've made my paradise right here. Do you think that plays a role? I think it plays a huge role. And I think the way we come to work every day, and I also think it, it goes a huge it, – it's huge about the people that you surround yourself with. Sure. And I think about all the guys, Michael Moody, you know, John Hendricks, Matt McGuire – uh, you know, Matt McCracken, Stephen Baker, and mm-hmm. now Adam Laramore and Brad Neffendorf. And, and, and it, here's the thing, man. You get to sit down with me, mm-hmm. sit down with those cats. No doubt. And, and, and listen to what they go through on a daily basis and how hard they work and, sure. and the miles that they put in and the time that they put in and, and all those things. And, and that's, you know, the perspective in there is huge because that was us. Mm-hmm. You know 100%. That was us, you know. You know, just digging your heels in yep. and, and doing it for no money and doing it for, you know, just because you loved it. <laughs> Credit and, and, cards. Yeah, and, and, and your girlfriend or your wife looking at you and going, are you ever going to do sure. anything with your life? No doubt. You know what I'm saying? And, yep. and so 
I think that's the biggest thing is that, mm. if, you know, that it starts at the top and, and really kind of feeds down to, to everybody through the program. But I think everybody brings that every single day is that, uh, you know, it, to, to get to, to this point, I mean, this is the culmination of where everybody wants to get to. And I don't care whether it's Division One, Division Two, JUCO, wherever it is, if, if this is where you are, uh, if you if you if you put everything into where you are, mm-hmm. then a lot of great things can happen to you. It's a big times where you're at. Yeah. Um, last advice you got for anybody watching this or listening to this, and, and they're wondering uh, what else is in your pockets, man. Empty them out for us. What advice would you offer coaches? You know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just you know understand that when you get started, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard. Uh, don't be afraid to pick up and go. Don't be afraid to to take chances. Uh, you know, if I would have been a smart man back however many years ago, I would have stayed right where I was in Richmond, <laughs> sure. Virginia, and I'd have kept teaching, and I'd have made some. You know, I, I wouldn't have made great money, but I'd have mm-hmm. made better money than I made for those years. <laughs> but don't be afraid to take chances. Uh, you know, get involved, man. Get involved in so many things. I used to tell guys all the time, man. Recruiting for me was as much about going to find players as much as it was about meeting other people and sure. seeing. You know, uh, just hearing, sitting down. I mean, you know, you and I talking on the phone the other day for forty-five minutes and just talking about, hey, how do you do this? How do you yep. do that? You yep. know and making those relationships and, and doing those things. The one thing that I will say is, man, as a young coach, I was, you know, so kind of awestruck, you know, when I would mm. go out and, and see these guys. And, and uh, but then when you finally got en- enough stones to go up and talk to them, they were just, just like just you. Like they you. were just genuine and, and just as, 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 as helpful and, and, and their perspective on things and, and those sort of things. And, and you take those little pockets of, of conversations that you have mm-hmm. and, and do those things. I would say, you know, the clinics and, and those sort of things are invaluable because yep. even if you just take away nothing but just one or two things that you can put into your program uh, and do that. I just think that there's so many things that, that, that young guys can get involved. I wish I was a young guy today with mm-hmm. everything that with sure. everything that's offered now uh, and just understanding those things and, and really hoping that, uh, that the world that we live in, as far as the coaching world that we mm-hmm. live in, starts to really understand you know, what these young guys go through. You know, obviously we could sit here and talk about the third assistant sure. as far as NCAA goes sure. and those sort of things. But, you know, you talk about guys like Casey Dykes and you talk about guys that, that are out there grinding on a daily basis and, and really, uh, you know, have, have made their mark and, and, and deserve so much yes. uh, of what they, you know, th- they're giving way more to the game than the game's given to them mm-hmm. in, those persp- in those sort of things. So uh, I just, you know, keep moving forward and keep doing those things and, and just love what you're doing. I've always said if I stop loving it, if I stop love coming to work every day, then then there's other things that I can do to make yeah. money that would be miserable at. So um, <laughs> it's one of, you know, so that's the thing is just keep loving what you're doing and just understand that you're not going to be a millionaire doing it probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a small portion of the world that's going to make big money and that's okay. Uh, but the impact that you have and, and the platform that you have. I believe that everybody has a platform. I believe you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, doing yeah. what you're doing and, and impacting the, the coaches' lives that you're impacting and the program's lives that you're impacting. I think that's the thing, man. I think you sit down and you really look and you say, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing and where can I make the biggest impact mm-hmm. Not on myself, right. not for me, but right. how many how many people humanly possible can I impact? So I believe that my two year stint away was was good and it was great and and I hmm. wouldn't have traded what I did. But I truly believe that when this is all said and done and however many years go by, that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And if everybody else can find that man, it's pretty powerful. Well, you said something that I want to make sure I get out for our listeners is that 
Uh, in 2007, when we did play, I was that young guy that grabbed you, and uh, we stood right here, and that's why I wanted to do this at home plate. had this vision last night, Billy, of us in Kingsport, and after the game, you just bludgeoned us to death and kicked us out of the tournament, and uh, I just said, Coach Barry, you got a couple minutes, and I picked your brain, and I, I asked questions of, hey, as a 24-year-old, what can I do, and, and all this stuff, and you gave me all the time in the world. So... You're already on the right path, man. And that's that's 10, 12 years ago. But you're already on the right path towards being consistent and being who you are uh, day in and day out. Um, I wish you good luck. And it is, it's for me as a, as a former coach, to watch you guys play is such a treat, man. You play the game the right way. You guys play hard. Obviously, it's it's athleticism. It's all those things. But I just I appreciate what you guys represent as a coach. And uh, certainly, we're, it's fun to watch you here at the series. I wish you good luck tomorrow night. Um, obviously, we'll stay in touch. But thanks for sitting down with us, my friend. I loved it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, dude. All right, Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great teachers and coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe and dive right in, or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. Another huge thanks to the great people over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. So if you're looking to do any field upgrades at your facility, head over to astroturf.com That's astroturf.com and see why they have been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Now here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information. Also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ABCA1945. And make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 for the latest videos and projects that we have on deck for each of you. And finally, feel free to reach out to me directly if I can help you out on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. So as always, coaches, thanks for staying dialed into our Calls to the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.